other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everybody. It is our Christmas edition of The Other Side of Midnight here on WABC. And we have some fun stuff for you for the next couple hours. You're going to hear some voices from WABC's past, including Bob Grant, including Lynn Samuels, including John Gambling, including Barry Farber. We got some great stuff. It's also Festivus today. Festivus is December 23rd. So we're going to be celebrating some Festivus activities. We are going to be doing Ask Frank Anything this hour. So you can go ahead and start queuing up now if you have questions about anything at all. 800-848-WABC. I was once again on with Sid Rosenberg yesterday. I had a great time. I thought we had a great conversation. And I was very complimentary to him on a bunch of different issues. And the interview ended this way. And then this is what Sid said afterward. I love you, bro. Thank you so much. Take it easy, my friend. All right. Once again, no, I love you back from Frank. That's two times in a row now. One time on Iron Eagle said to me when I said I love you, he said, hmm. I'm fond of you, but love is probably a very strong word. That was Iron Eagle. Well, he's an honest person. <laughs> yeah, gotta, you got to admire the candor. Do you love me? Do I? Yes, I do. You, do, you probably tell too many people you love them. Yeah, yeah but like, I don't know why get, people just don't say it back. Just say it it's, back. Just say it back. I, I don't do that. I never do that. Why, why is that? Why, what's the problem? Because love is too strong. It's not, though. It doesn't have to be. I hop on your radio show one time. I'm not going to tell you I love you. It's not what's He's been on my show what a million what, times. What, what's wrong with what you? I meet, what did I meet Frank Morano yesterday? No, I, all right. Frank's a different example. Frank's yeah. is heartless. Maybe but, Judge Napolitano, you're saying. Yes. A bit much, yeah. I do I, love I, him. I, I noticed that Bill O'Reilly never says it back either. He never does? He goes, uh, but he does love you, me. Sid. Let me tell you something. We go to Nick Games together, Met Games together. He loves Danielle. He loves you. He's given a huge donation to the charity for Gabriel. I get a Christmas gift every year from Bill O'Reilly. He does love me. Because he's like that Irish thing. No, it doesn't, uh-huh. make, it doesn't make you a tough he guy. can't, can't say I love you. you. You know, Bernie, God rest his soul, <laughs> he, he, him and his Irish. father never told each other they loved each other. Now, Bernie told me he loved me all the time, on the air, off the air. He sent me more emojis than Danielle. But that's an Irish thing. Irish people are weird like that. I don't know why. So, again, I should have been better prepared for this. I'm not that much of an I love you person on the radio. I am quite fond of Sid. We're very close friends and colleagues and coworkers. And I do love Sid, but I don't know. I'm not immediately ready with an I love you too when I'm talking about serious issues like Ukraine and these political issues, maybe I should be. I'll be better prepared next time. If Sid is keeping track, Sid, I love you too. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, did you see what happened yesterday here in New York State? That's right. The New York State Legislature, the state lawmakers that I would argue have not done a very good job these last few years, voted to give themselves a $32,000 pay raise. How'd you like to be able to give yourself a pay raise? I'd love to be able to give myself one. This bumps their salaries up 
from $110,000 a year to $142,000 a year for the upcoming session. $142,000 a year for what is essentially a part-time job. These are now the highest paid state legislators in the entire country. There was a lot made about outside income. Some people were proposing a ban on outside income. Ultimately, they decided to limit outside income at $35,000 starting in 2025. I was pleased to see some of the Republicans in both chambers vote against this and point out that uh, the working middle class people of New York could actually use a break instead of politicians, including, I have to mention, uh, my state legislator, Andrew Lanza. But the gumption of these legislators, they seem to want it all. They want outside income. They want lax oversight. They want friendly districts that they can gerrymander. And on top of it all, they want hefty raises. Like the rest of us, the state legislature needs to learn the concept of limits. And I think it's so interesting that they waited until after the November elections were over before giving themselves a hefty raise. It would have been nice if the voters themselves could have weighed in on this. They won't come back for a special session to fix the bail laws, but they had no problem coming back for a special session to give themselves a $32,000 raise. I want to point out that their salaries have nearly doubled since 2017. Some lawmakers would make even more depending on their leadership roles. I want to be clear. I have a lot of friends in the state legislature and many of them are having a tough time paying their bills. I don't begrudge anyone legitimate income that they're earning and to which they're entitled. The question is whether that income conflicts with the duties of an ethical legislature. We all saw what happened with Shelley Silver and scores of other state law makers that have other jobs that they're making a lot of money from and how that might affect the job they're doing as legislators. I also have to note that while the legislators voted themselves a hefty pay raise, a lot of the legislative aides didn't get much of a raise at all. In fact, many of them are earning only about what the length of the raise is. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. We're continuing to learn more and more about the saga of the talented Mr. Santos. If you haven't followed this story, George Santos is the new congressman-elect from uh, Nassau County out on Long Island, and he apparently has lied uh, about everything. He lied about having Jewish heritage. He lied about having relatives that were fleeing the Nazis. He lied about working for Goldman Sachs. He lied about going to Baruch. He lied about working for Citigroup. He lied about the nonprofit that he found. He apparently even lied about his own address. And I made a joke on Sid and Friends this morning or yesterday morning that I meant only as a joke. Now, George Santos is an openly gay Republican. This is what I told Sid Rosenberg. You know, during the campaign, he was touting the fact that he was an openly gay Republican. I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if he lied about being gay. Well, apparently, it looks like he may have been married and divorced without disclosing it to a woman. Now, I would not think this, but I am starting to wonder for real if he actually is gay. Did he make up being gay either for a political benefit or some other reason? He was married and divorced to a woman and never disclosed it. I mean, we don't know what the circumstances is here. 
We don't know what the circumstances are here. Maybe this was some sort of a green card marriage or something along those lines. Uh, We've certainly seen he apparently in Brazil admitted to check fraud. So fraud is uh, something that George Santos apparently doesn't have a problem with. But this is wild stuff. And for the first time, I am really wondering whether George Santos made up being gay. If not, why would he not disclose the fact that he was married to a woman? Certainly in this day and age, we've seen that sexualities can fluctuate depending on what day of the week it is. Bill de Blasio's wife, of course, wrote an article very famously about how she was a lesbian. She's not anymore. She's married. She's got two children. Why couldn't George Santos make a similar admission? It leads me to think, the fact that he didn't disclose this, leads me to think that there's something fishy up about this as well. Now, I'm going to be inviting George Santos on this program next week to talk about some of these allegations. I've interviewed George Santos a couple times before. We've always had a cordial relationship, and he said that next week he's preparing to address these allegations. I don't blame him because whenever there's a week that you have to tackle bad news, it's the week between Christmas and New Year's. I just hope George Santos does it on this program. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Hour to go before we can all go and celebrate Festivus. And I thought long and hard about what I should begin this hour with. And it seems appropriate that this week we begin with a look at the very prescient, very far-sighted farewell address, not of President Eisenhower, but of the very first president of the United States, George Washington. I think George Washington's very reasoned approach to foreign policy and domestic policy is worth reviewing. Now, I happen to read the entirety of Washington's address earlier today. I'm not going to read the whole thing now in the interest of time, but I would encourage you to read it. In fact, I'm going to link to it on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash moranofan. I'm just going to read this portion of it. As avenues to foreign influence in innumerable ways, such attachments are particularly alarming to the truly enlightened and independent patriot. How many opportunities do they afford to tamper with domestic factions, to practice the arts of seduction, to mislead public opinion to influence or awe the public councils such an attachment of a small or weak towards a great and powerful nation dooms the former to be the satellite of the latter against the insidious wiles of foreign influence i conjure you to believe me fellow citizens the jealousy of a free people ought to be constantly awake since history and experience prove that foreign influence is one of the most baneful foes of republican government but that jealousy to be useful must be impartial else it becomes the instrument of the very influence to be avoided instead of a defense against it excessive partiality for one foreign nation and excessive dislike of another cause those whom they actuate to see danger only on one side and serve to veil and even second the arts of influence on the other. Real patriots who may resist the intrigues of the favorite are liable to become suspected and odious while its tools and dupes usurp the applause and confidence of the people to surrender their interests. The great rule of conduct for us in regard to foreign nations is in extending our commercial relations to have with them as little political connection as possible. So far as we have already formed engagements, let them be fulfilled with perfect good faith. Here, let us stop. You could say I know nothing 
about military affairs. You could say I'm not a great patriot. Earlier in the week, I played you the words of a five-star general, General Eisenhower, essentially warning you about the military-industrial complex. Here are the words of another five-star general. The father of our country, our first president. If you won't listen to me and you won't listen to Ike, listen to George Washington. Beam me up! To be continued.